0: Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a special announcement and a special guest, but first the special announcement. David Rosenbeck, Airbnb vet and midterm rental expert is going to be our co-host of the pod. We are taking it slow. We're dating first before we get married. We're doing two episodes (laughs) first, but I feel fairly confident it's gonna work out. So, uh, it's smooth like butter. So David, take it away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you for uh, having me on, Yoni. You and I, we, uh, we met through uh, host camp and then we bonded in Houston. And then, uh, you realized that I like talking about real estate more than just about anything else. So after we, uh, had a couple of beers and we talked, I was like, you know what? I think I would love to be on that podcast with him if he'd have me. And then, uh, you and I talked for a second. And it was like, you know what? I think this just my work. <laughs> so, um, quick little nuggets about myself. I'm uh, from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm a nurse practitioner, uh, but I currently work fully remote for an insurance company. So I'm able to travel around my wife and I for the last seven, eight months, been uh, traveling, hit Oregon, California, Phoenix, Houston, kind of all over the place. Um, I focus mainly on medium term rentals. And so my portfolio currently has five medium term rentals, one long term rental. That's a uh, a college house in uh, Fort Wayne as well. And I've been uh, managing all of them remotely so for the seven eight months that we've been gone, and uh, so I, I really uh, enjoy systems processes. I, I always uh, laugh and tell my wife that I'm the I will work super super hard so I can be super lazy, and so I like to do a lot of the front end work. I like to get through things uh, like you know systems processes, property management softwares. Those are the types of things that I really really like. So uh, hopefully, I can bring some value to the podcast
0: you're going to bring a lot of value. Speaking of value, let's talk a little bit about our guest today. Jeff, Jeff Alulian.
1: Oh, my gosh. Jeff, he, he's a rock star. So he he's a, uh, an extraordinary human being, uh, let alone just uh, an extraordinary businessman. So I met him uh, in Houston whenever we were at a conference, and uh, him and I were standing up at the uh, bar waiting for a drink, and I just struck up conversation with him. He was a super nice guy, and uh, he said, yeah, I'm the, the owner of HostGPO, and I'm just like, oh, I don't I don't know what that is, but uh, tell me more. And then and, uh, he got into it a little bit further, and then lo and behold, the next day he's up on stage talking, and I'm like, oh, my I think I put my foot in my mouth a little bit there. I should have known who he was. But he's a super graceful guy, super, super kind, and he is extraordinarily smart. He how many units did he have, Yoni? All together? He got up to 150 units at his peak.
0: It's crazy. You know, we talk about zero to one. This guy went zero to one fifty, then started a <laughs> disruptive business in the space. So for everybody listening, definitely watch and listen to the entire thing because you're gonna get a manual of how to do
1: business in the Airbnb space. Absolutely. And he covers everything from whenever he was starting out in you know seventy, eighty dollar arbitrage properties all the way up to luxury properties renting at fifty thousand dollars a month. So he's literally done the gamut and he now has a fantastic product called Host GPO. And so won't give away all of the goodies with it, but essentially it's a way that you can have a one-stop shop for furnishing and supplying your entire Airbnb with 30, 40, he said even 50% of the, uh, the purchase price. And so it's a phenomenal deal for anybody that wants to get in on it. And uh, I can't recommend it enough.
0: One last thing before we get into the episode is our gentleman's agreement. David and I worked really hard this week to prepare for the episode, researching, coming up with questions, bringing the guest on. So our gentleman's agreement, since we work for you, is to click subscribe and like the video. Without further ado, let's get started.
1: All right, we are here today with Jeff Elulian, and he was somebody that Yoni and I met out at uh, HostCon, and he was somebody that we knew that we wanted to bring on the podcast. And so, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, and uh, why we met you out at HostCon?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My name is Jeff Elulian. I'm the CEO and co-founder at HostGPO, uh, and uh, met you guys at HostCon because uh, we're big, Uh, host camp enthusiasts and Rob built enthusiasts. Uh, It's a big part of our community here at host GPO. And we were there uh, with a booth as a vendor uh, and as a platinum sponsor of that event. And so met you guys there and uh, excited to be on the podcast and to to talk a little bit about my hosting journey and a little bit about host GPO.
1: Yeah, and sure. I, and I, I will say right from the get go that, Jeff, you're a very, uh, very humble guy, because I talked to you for like 30 minutes the first night at the bar, had no idea who you were, or what host GPO was, and you were, uh, you, were very, you were kind enough not to uh, be like, why don't you know me?
2: <laughs> no, oh, yeah, man, this is a, this is a community that we're in. And uh, everybody starts with one unit. Um, no matter what, no matter who you are, and I think that that's one of the best parts about this. and this whole industry is all about lifting each other up and educating each other and helping people grow. and so there's there's no space for egos inside of a, <laughs> inside the four walls of a short- term rental.
1: That's excellent. That's right. All, right. all right. so can you just kind of take us back? What was the you know you're obviously have a business now that's focused on short-term rentals, which we'll get into a little bit more uh, later on. but, how did you get started in the short-term rental space yourself and you know when did you make that jump?
2: Yeah, absolutely so I got into short-term rentals like most people uh, I think in the space which was I just kind of I just kind of fell into it. So I remember reading an article back in 2014 about lease arbitrage which you know was really early for a lease arbitrage article and I thought it was a really interesting model to be able to go. And lease a home or lease an apartment and furnish it and rent it out for a shorter term than you know the 30 days or, or uh, you know annual lease to rent it out on a nightly basis as a short term rental and try to make money on the difference between my monthly lease and my kind of short term lease. So that's how I fell into it. I found this this great house. It was literally across the street from where I was living. And I leased it and started renting that one out and doing the check-ins, et cetera, and learning about this industry, learning about the space, and really fell in love with hosting, with hospitality, with setting up and designing spaces and creating experiences for people. So started back in 2014 and grew my my vacation rental company from one to 150 units that I was operating at a time. So that was kind of the big, the big initial push into this space uh, for me.
1: Very nice. So, of that one hundred and fifty, just curious for myself, was that mostly single families, mostly condos, or what was that made up of?
2: Yeah, it was a mix. So, a lot of single family homes, especially at the outset, and then once I started getting more comfortable, I started doing some uh, apartment building leases. So, I was master leasing apartment buildings that had you no know, nine units or sixteen units or twenty units, um, and, and putting those under contract as well. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um.
1: So, go ahead, Yoni
0: yeah that's that's amazing. I was just about to ask the article was in 2014 so that's way before any regulation hit any hit any of these major markets too right
2: yeah absolutely it was a it was just the beginning of the talks about regulations and so it was a very interesting time to be in the space because there were no regulations yet. It was kind of the wild west and uh, it's funny people nowadays are talking about people nowadays are talking about the the gold rush of the Airbnb era being the last, you know, two years, but meanwhile, I don't know what I was doing back in the 2010s, but <laughs> the people that I was getting into it with were telling me that that the that it had been going on for 5 years already and I was I was late to the party. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's always it always kind of comes in cycles and waves, but that was the wild west definitely in terms of regulation and uh, definitely went through a lot of that myself.
0: Get, getting getting that getting that cash flow on a whole apartment building with no regulation sounds like a dream to me.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun, but um, fraught with a lot of difficulties and problems, uh, which was part of the reason how I I started Host GPO was just trying
1: to solve my own my own
2: business problems.
1: Amazing. And, well, I mean, with 150 units, obviously, yeah, you had to have tons of stuff going on. So, yeah, it might be a good time since you mentioned Host GPO. Just hop into that. Tell us a little bit about it. What's been going on with it, and what it is for the listeners.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So Host GPO uh, is a buying group for hosts. So the way that it works is. It- if you are a short-term rental operator or a host or uh, an interior designer or a property manager, uh, you are buying furniture, linens, mattresses, amenities, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's really confusing out there. It's hard to know what to buy. It's hard to know what a good deal is. Something that says it's good on you know, Amazon ratings might not be actually fitted to go into your vacation rental home. So what HostGPO is, is a curated list of brands uh, that once you join our community, you can buy from at 30, 40, 50, 60% off, depending on the brand, uh, so that you always are getting quality products from brands like West Elm, or Article, Pottery Barn, CB2, uh, or, you know, things from brands that you might not even have heard of, but you should know, like Standard Textile or Diversified Hospitality, which are kind of your your go-to hospitality, wholesale linen companies, or um, amenity companies. So we've gone ahead and made these deals with, you, with each of these brands so that hosts uh, can get, Steep discounts and kind of streamlined access to ordering uh, for setting up and, and maintaining their units.
1: Very nice. Yeah. I was pretty ashamed of myself after, uh, you know, I've got five units myself now and had never heard of it. And then after we sat at your booth for a little while and you're uh, one of your employees, Callie, she walked a, a buddy of mine through it. And I was just like, where was this? Uh, six months prior to that, I had bought an article couch for $2,099. And she pulled the exact same couch up and it was 1,100 bucks. And I was like, unbelievable. Yeah, no,
2: it's uh, the number one thing we hear is we wish you would have heard about you sooner. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, part of the reason we've been really hesitant about kind of our growth so far is we really wanted to keep it tight knit. And we wanted to make sure that our product and our kind of offering, um, especially as we were a startup and growing was really, really dialed in. And uh, now we've gotten to the point where it's really starting to, to blow up. Um, re- members are referring each other all the time. And we have over 200,000 units as a part of host GPO right now, which is oh pretty gosh, cool. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. That's amazing. And do you, do you have a feel for how many people are doing arbitrage or buying or, or nothing like that?
2: Um, it's such a mix. I mean, there's probably, you know, six, seven different business models from, you know, property managers to co-hosts, which I look at as kind of different, uh, to lease arbitrage folks, to Burr folks, to um, you know your your uh, you know I, I think that you could even look at somebody who's doing um you know master leasing as a as a totally different kind of business model a rev share person is doing something totally different um there are so many different ways to get into this industry uh and you know it's really a big a big mix uh we have some of the biggest vacation rental companies as a part of our group and we have uh folks with you know who are really just getting off the ground as a part of our group too
1: amazing amazing So with your, with your portfolio now, if you don't mind us asking, you know, you were up to 150 units, you know, back, back when. And so I'm sure that got to be where it was like, you know, trying to keep your head above water. So then did you niche down after that? Or how did you kind of move forward after you kind of hit this probably a pinnacle spot where you're like, okay, something needs to happen. Yeah. It's a great question. I think that there's
2: a few scaling points that, that people feel um, when they're growing their vacation rental businesses. So the first one usually happens around 10 units, where you've you've kind of gone up to you know five and seven and you've been okay. Uh, if worst worst case scenario, you're you're handling it out of pocket, you know, at inopportune times. But you're still the, the last resort, and you're still kind of sending messages and, and dealing with fires and putting out fires. Um, once you get to ten, it's where you really need to implement processes. Uh, in addition to having like all the software and tools available for you, uh, you know your PMS, your pricing, all that stuff needs to be dialed in. But you need to have absolutely written out processes for if this happens, then follow this rule. Um, And so without that, you know, you can't hire anybody you can't bring on a team and uh, there's just realistically no way to manage on a a effectual basis, you know, 10, 10 listings. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I think the next scaling point tends to come around 50 where you're like, Oh, I need, like a, like, I don't need one person or two people. Like I need like a team of people doing different things. And these people need to have like diversified skill sets. And I need people, you know, um, have done this before. And then really after like a hundred to 150, you get into like, okay, I need specialists. Like I need somebody who is, an expert in this thing, um, to handle like my revenue management. I need somebody Hmm. like this to handle all the like accounting stuff. So, um, I think that those are kind of the scaling points. And once I got to 150, it was like, all right, well, either I'm going to go like all the way to 1500, um, or I'm going to, you know, start kind of ratcheting it down. And I think we got to the point where we felt, um, we didn't see a viable path to kind of continuing on the growth trajectory we were at, the market was starting to change a little bit and we were happy with kind of our portfolio. So we started tweaking things a little bit. We went through some regulation stuff in Los Angeles, which was complicated. Um, and then uh, ultimately when I decided to do host GPO full time uh, and really launched this company, which was a few years ago, uh, I ended up kind of exiting most of my properties uh, and still have uh, you know a dozen or so, but um, not as involved in the, in the uh, day-to-day chaos, as I'm sure a lot of the folks listening uh, are, are, or, or are starting to be. Mm.
1: So whenever you were starting to scale up, what would other than I would say an assistant, cause that's something I'm thinking about right now. And I think Jonathan's going to sure. help me out with that getting like a virtual assistant or just true, you know, in-person assistant, what would be the most common next hire after an assistant? Do you think?
2: Yeah. I think like the first couple hires are, you know, I think an assistant's great, especially if you have an assistant that can help with, um, you know, your, uh, messaging like mm-hmm. that on a more hands on way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the next couple hires that, that are really useful are, um, want somebody to be just an on the ground boots on the ground property manager. Um, and what that looks like, especially the first hire is if you can find one, Um, you're looking for somebody who can ideally do quality and assurance. So like inspections of the units, either like after cleanings or before check-ins, uh, you're looking for somebody who, if something breaks, can, uh, hire of outside vendor like a plumber or a person, let them in, you know, understand how to get quotes from different people, create a database of your go-tos and who to use and why and stuff like that. So so really manage uh, outside vendors, do quality assurance and, you know, do like the basic kind of run around stuff. When you hit 10 properties, especially if they're centrally located, um, you're going to need somebody who can, you know, last minute run a set of keys over uh, because even if you have smart locks, Right. There's a key on your side gate, and that's the thing mm-hmm. that opens up the thing that has your washer dry. You know, there's always some sort of something with the property. So I think uh-huh. a boots on the ground kind of property manager is a good one. Uh, and then after that, you know, we centralized out our, our kind of guest messaging, we centralized out our, our maintenance team. We had a full time maintenance uh, person that was like, our, I think our fourth hire, fifth hire. Uh, and that person was just doing all basic handyman work um, across properties. So Know, stuff will come up, and you know it's great to be able to hire a handyman and pay you know 150 bucks or whatever it is to get somebody to come out and you know fix that one thing. But if you've got 20 properties and if they're all kind of drivable or, or in basic areas, I mean, it's so helpful to have somebody who can run over and do all the basic work. So um, yeah, those are some of the first couple of hires that I think are really important. Do
0: you do you mind sharing the the way you structured paying? the property manager on the Airbnb business? Because that's a question that we get a lot is what's the proper percent? How does it work? It's something we're looking at. And I think a lot of our listeners that are going zero to one specifically are really, really wondering. You went to 150. So they're definitely looking up to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think think there's two ways to look at it. If you are trying to hire a full-time property manager to run your listing for you, you're looking at 20%. Um, is kind of market rate. But if you are a property manager for somebody else, and they're paying you 20%, you probably are going to want to hire somebody to physically help you. And that person's going to be your on the ground person. And you know, I paid my property manager, um, you know, my my like physical person, uh, a salary. Um, okay. And yeah, so I mean, all of my employees were employees with healthcare benefits, like all that stuff. And you know, we ran it like a legit company. Um, but you know there's different ways to do it you can pay a salary you can pay um, I've seen people do things like you know you're really hiring somebody to handle your operations but I've seen people do a combination of salary plus you know one percent or two percent or three percent of bookings depending on how big your properties are i personally had a tough time benchmarking um, percentages to my properties because I had a lot of really luxury homes and I had a lot of basic homes so 1% on a luxury home or 2% on a luxury home booking is like an insane number. So it was hard to do stuff like that. Uh, but there's a lot of creative ways to get creative about it.
1: Yeah, and that would just be, you know, trying to have a bookkeeper go back or whoever your numbers person is, or you yourself that I mean, that would be a struggle to try and like, oh, okay, well, 2% of this month, plus the XYZ, you know, just pay them a flat rate, pay them a good living wage. And yeah, you're going to have somebody that's going to be happy, and they're going to treat your property as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like any kind of team, as long as you're trying to hire somebody that you can train and coach to eventually take over what you're doing. So you can focus on going out and
1: finding more properties and growing your business. I mean, that's how businesses grow. Yeah. So like blue collar, uh, you know, handyman guy, how did you go? Did you just tap your network and try and find people or you, uh, how did you go about trying to find these people? Cause I know that there's everybody and their brother is trying to find somebody that's good.
2: <laughs> I mean, I originally had somebody who, I found through another property manager that I knew who was a real estate developer. And I started just like piggybacking on their handyman. Mm-hmm. And he was paid salary through them. And he was just doing one-off projects for me for the first, like, I don't know, six months where I'd call him at night and be like, Hey, five o'clock when you're off, come over, I'll pay you like X dollars to do this one project. So nice. definitely bootstrapped him for a while. Um, randomly enough, I ended up, I ended up calling an Uber one day. <laughs> and I got into this Uber and the Uber picked me up and it was like a pickup truck. I was like a pretty nice pickup truck. And like the flatbed in the back was down. And I heard a bunch of stuff moving around. I started talking to the guy and I was like, what's going on? He was like, oh, I like, I just left my job site. He's like, I drive Uber, drive Uber at night, but I also, um, you know, work construction and da, da, da. I was asking about what he could do and what he did. And I was like, look, like if you are interested, uh, you know, drop by my office on Monday and like, let's talk. I ended up hiring him. He worked for me for like a year and- or like maybe 9 10 months and while he didn't work out what ended up happening was he we I started asking him to do stuff that was more complicated and he was like oh well like I have a friend that can come and help me and he knows how to do everything mm. and so I, that guy ended up coming I ended up hiring them both and eventually the the um the first guy ended up not working out he he ended up you know changing what he was doing and he it wasn't even me it was just him that wanted to Move on to something else, but that second guy probably worked for me for like another three, four
1: years. That's excellent. Yeah, referrals can't beat it. Can't beat it.
0: You're a beast. That's a really good story. You can meet anybody, anywhere, anytime, and you know, not too big to talk to the Uber driver ever. That's 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 a really good story. One of the things I was wondering, besides, was like, and David covered the man, the manager question. I think how to find that's a great question. But another thing I was wondering about is. Is there a favorite Airbnb you ever ran out of the batch of 150? You mentioned it a lot of luxury homes. And I always looked at Airbnb Lux part of the website, saying to myself, oh man, I wonder if I'll ever have a property on that side of the site. Was it on that side of the side of the site? Is it was it a different type of property? Just share with us a little bit about what's your favorite all time.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. I had a lot of Airbnb Lux properties. Um, I was really involved with, uh, with luxury retreats, which was the acquisition that led to Airbnb Lux. So I had a lot of properties on there. Um, and some of those homes were by far my favorite. There was one uh, that I really, really, really loved. It was um, out here in Los Angeles. And it was this like beautiful architectural home that had, it was shaped, the owner was a sailor. And he had made all of this money and he wanted to build this like custom home. And he ended up uh, building a home that was uh, shaped to look like a metal sail. Uh, oh, and it was gosh. just really, really beautiful. The home was like super elegant um, and it was a like, contemporary and, and really, it was amazing because he had set up the home like a sailor would. So like everything worked perfectly and like every single like drawer when it opened and closed like fit like you know like 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 you would fit into a cabin of like a ship like everything like was was very perfect i really liked that home a lot um and uh he had just amazing art and uh and stuff like that so
1: that was a really cool cool lux home very interesting if the omg section wasn't on there yet that certainly would have been in there man that sounds excellent yeah. And to be fair,
2: you know, I definitely had homes that rented for, you know, three, $4,000 a night, but I also had homes that were renting for like 70 bucks a night, you know, um, it was just a mix.
1: So which one, I mean, you know, obviously the, the barrier to entry into these luxury homes is very high. Um, And so when was, when did you finally hit that point where you're like, okay, I feel comfortable enough that I've done enough of these, you know, smaller properties. When are you, what was the first one where it was like, okay, this is, this is a big stretch. This is a big dive. When, when, at what point did you feel comfortable enough taking it?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think when I hit around, I don't know, 40 or 50, um, I started realizing that I was really comfortable with the model. I was really comfortable with how I was comping pricing out. Um, and I really felt like, uh, I wanted to, I felt like it's the same amount of messages, you know, it's the same amount of pricing. It's like you're messaging one guest if they're renting nine bedrooms or one, um, you know, it's not that much different. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I got into a luxury property, I actually got in as a property manager. So I took that deal on a 20%, um, you know, management fee. And once I got in there and started managing that whole property, it was like, a no brainer, because I was seeing what they were making. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and 20% of it was great. But I was like, this is insane. I bet you I could do this on an arbitrage property. And so once I saw one and managed it for someone else and and saw the numbers and felt comfortable with, I mean, luxury pricing and bookings and all that stuff is a different strategy. Uh, but once I got comfortable with it and did one as a managed property, I was more comfortable to go out and get my own.
0: I, that's amazing. I know a lot of our listeners are trying to create extra cash flow so they can get out of their W-2 and managing luxury properties would be a dream. Is there any? Is there one or two pieces of advice you could give somebody that it would be incredible for them to get just one of these properties? Do you have any advice for them how to get into the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it and a lot of the reason why I was very trusted with, with these homes was because I was able to say, here's the other homes that I have. And please talk to anybody else, um, either the people whose homes I'm managing or the people whose homes I'm leasing or here book one of my other homes and stay in it and like explain the process and be very comfortable. Like, I think it's really hard and you're probably gonna end up spinning your wheels if you go out of the gate and try to manage a property that's renting for four grand a night at 20% because you are going to, you know, nobody's gonna give it to you. That being said, it was a very different thing to like, show when I showed up for that deal, that like one of those first ones, actually, you know, when I showed up for that deal, uh, which was a, for that house that I talked about, that was like the giant sale. What was really interesting is I closed that deal as a management deal. Uh, This was probably like in, you know, close 80, 90th property, but I closed that deal because I brought my team with me to the house walkthrough and we hadn't signed yet. And I brought my my like check-in person, my property manager, um, like uh, one, my guest messenger, um, who was also doing like house notes. And like, I think that the owner saw us walk in, me answer every question that he had. And my team, from when we walked in, we hadn't even signed the contract yet. My team was incredible. We walked in, they were already taking pictures of everything in the house and making notes about like, this is how the thermostat works. This is how the operating, like they were creating an operating manual for the house. I think the owner saw that and was like, oh, like these guys are going to be able to respond to messages. I'm not going to have to worry about anything. You know, we were asking really, we were asking all the right questions. Like, well, do you want the, do you want to use your own linens for guests or do you want us to separate your linens and, you know, bring in our own linens? We recommend this, you know, having kind of a game plan going in there and being able to answer those questions. I mean, The the owner was like blown away and was really felt relieved that he wasn't going to have to do anything. This was the one walkthrough where he was showing us how to use the house. And we were never going to ask him again, which input the TV needed to be on to do whatever, because we were already putting it into the operating manual, which was already linked to the check in guide. Um, If he signed the contract, it was done.
1: Brilliant, man. Yeah. Having the whole team come along. Then if nothing else, I mean, I just, you know, power and numbers, bringing people along and showing like, Hey, I've got a team. It's not just going to be me scrambling around trying to figure something out. And that's, that's, you know, the only way that you can do that is if you slowly wade into the deep end of the pool, you don't just jump into the deep end of the pool and hope that you can figure it out on the way, you know? And so that, that was brilliant. Um, whenever you, how, how did you first approach this person? person. Did he have it for rent online or how did, how did you find this property?
2: That property, he, um, that property, he was already an Airbnb host and he was trying to do it himself. And I think that he was having a really tough time because he didn't realize how much work it was. And, you know, this was a guy that was living in a mega mansion and just didn't want to deal with people. And then I think he realized that oh, when I rent this out, even if I'm making money, I have to like deal with a lot of, you know, BS. Um, And so I think that I found him because he was already a host. And I think that I was doing a lot of work with Airbnb back in the day. And I think that they actually referred him to me. Um, I think they were like, you should talk to this property management company uh, in LA and I think they could handle your home. So that was like, I think that's how I found that one.
1: Wow, yeah. If you get the seal of approval from Airbnb themselves, you know Brian Chesky comes out there and hands you the keys, then you're good to go, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. Brian stayed
0: in one of my properties once. That fun thing. He does that a lot, actually.
2: So he goes around and stays in airbnb's a little $7, so like a and stuff like that arbitrage
1: talking about luxury so moving forward what do you i mean cuz now everybody's the airbnb bust and all the market's going to crap and there's a huge recession coming and everything's going you know real estate investing isn't what it used to be so in your opinion what do you like going forward what strategies do you think that have you know either emerged or are the tried and true ones that are still sticking around which ones do you like for the 2023 year yeah
2: i think from a I think there's two ways to answer that. So, from a finance perspective, purchasing is hard. Interest rates are really high. So, no matter what you're doing or what kind of loans or backflips you're trying to do to get financing to buy a property, unless you're like really doing renovation work and like flipping and adding value, um that is not a great situation. And the people who honestly, underwrote their vacation rental properties based on short-term rental income um, are the ones who are getting hosed right now because they priced out for perfection that their units were gonna maximize returns, right? They, they left no margin for error, they're under on their payments and like that's a risky way to do business. Um, that being said, the other end of the spectrum, co-hosting and property management is the most risk adverse version right there's no i mean if the property doesn't do well maybe you lose the contract maybe the owner says i don't want to do this anymore and that's a different battle but ultimately you're making a percentage of um the revenue that's coming in and so there isn't a ton of risk associated with it so i look at when times of of economic uncertainty hit property management and and co-hosting is being a great option just to keep some cash flow. Start with nothing uh, and work. I mean, it's it's a lot of work and you got to hustle. But you know, you can do property management as a side hustle too. Uh, and I think it's a great way to learn and get into that industry. That being said, for those of you that are already in the space, feel comfortable. Uh, lease arbitrage never looked better. Um, interest rates are high, which in turn is affecting a lot of things, including the fact that rent prices are starting to go down. I mean, I have uh I have a, a a friend out here in Southern California who recently got a rent decrease letter from their landlord that was like, "Hey, <laughs> um reducing your rent for next year. Just wanted to let you know, uh don't worry, uh, you know, don't, you know, pretty much don't leave uh, and stay here." And so, you know, those kinds of things were happening during the pandemic too. I mean, there were a lot of newer building new construction that were giving away like 4 months free rent if you sign, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um that being said, rent prices are starting to go down, at least in, in, a, in a lot of areas. And so uh, I would consider lease arbitrage to be a, a good financial model right now. Very
1: nice. Wow. Um, love-
2: to, to, your, to your, the second part of that question, by the way, is just, uh, I think there's no space in when things get a little bit tighter uh, and and the demand, you know, even though demand is so high right now, I mean... It's really crazy. There was just a uh, American Express report that came out talking about how, like, despite everything that's going on in the world and, like, the higher cost of groceries, et cetera, that travel spending is just, like, through the roof for no reason because people are just spending on experiences. So, I mean, I don't see there being a huge dip in demand. But that being said, there was a big boom in, in vacation rental supply this year. And I think what's really interesting is, uh, and what's going to be interesting is that, like during the recession, the bottom, I don't know. of units out there just get wiped. Um, And I hope that's nobody that's listening. And I hope that didn't happen to anybody that's listening. But personally, I think it's great for the space. Um, The quality and level of units that are required and the demanding expectations of travelers are such that you need to have a better quality unit. You can't put garbage furniture inside your unit and, you know, like sandpaper linens and stuff like that. I mean, you don't have to put, you know, you don't have to put the the absolute best, you know, 80 million thread count, you know, Egyptian cotton, triple spun, you know, whatever in your, in your things. Like nobody needs that. Like you don't need four ply toilet paper, but like, you know, like you got to give, you know, more than a ply, um, and I think that people really are starting to notice the little things and the quality of units really, and, and the competition that's out there is is forcing the vacation rental industry to standardize and professionalize in a really positive way for the long term of this.
1: Yeah, I, I've uh, talked about this with my wife and some other people. I was like, I bet deep down, Brian Chesky's probably thinking, you know what? I'm okay with this because we grew so quickly. There was so many units that were coming on that, you know, culling off some of the other stuff. I mean, I just think about it from whenever, like if you have to do an Airbnb claim, you know how painful it is. And so I just can't imagine the volume of uh, messages that they're getting back and forth and Airbnb claims, air cover, all this other stuff. And so if they would be able to You know, shave out the the bottom ten percent. You know, the bad hosts that are you know, you know, probably causing fifty percent of the bad communication and you know the bad press. Jeffsky's probably thinking, you know what? They're not actually making us all that much money anyways because they're not you know having the cream of the crop properties. So I thought that you know that was probably something that uh, you know that obviously they never announced, but something they may find uh, would be helpful for their business. For sure, I think it's a I think
2: it's an interesting take, and I think that they that they probably are. I mean. It's interesting, right? Airbnb started, you know, the air in Airbnb is like air mattress, right? And that's Mm -hmm. how it started. It was an air mattress on a floor. Um, And, you know, that's a great place to start. But this has just become something totally different and amazing. Um, Not say it wasn't amazing before. But, uh, you know, I think that there's just a a different expectation um, out there in the market.
1: Absolutely. Jeff,
0: you have a very unique take on the future of Airbnb, the current market, how you got zero to one hundred and fifty? I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this, this uh, podcast episode. Something I want to make sure I don't skip over is host GPO, your, your company. Yeah. And not only we talked about where Airbnb is going this year and in the future, where you think it's going, but where's host GPO going? Um, tell us, tell us about that. Are there product categories you're going to expand into partnerships? You want to talk about uh, things you're just mulling in general. want to open up about your very th-
2: yeah i mean i uh, i appreciate the, the opportunity to kind of uh think about it out loud uh but uh you know host gpo <laughs> has continued to grow i think that our membership uh ha- is still growing at a really explosive rate and so i think I think a lot of that is just like the more people that find out about us and the more people that join are telling more people, um, which is just the best way, you know, word of mouth and people saying, Hey, this is a tried and true product um, that we really like and are using to furnish and stock our rental. Like, so that that's only been growing at an increasing rate, which is really cool. Um, I think that in terms of vendor categories, we signed a couple really big ones in the last two, two months or so. So like article furniture, CB2 and crate and barrel was big. Um, the other big ones were like Google Nest and Ace Hardware. Uh, those were two pretty awesome ones. Um, as far as like January, we just launched a uh, the the Host GPO and West Elm Core Collection. So these are items that were selected between Host GPO and West Elm. Uh, to be great for a vacation rental unit because they're kind of best sellers. They're what people really like. They're what people want to look at. They're what attract guests, but they're also contract grade, which means that they're meant for heavy wear and tear as opposed to even a basic West Elm item or something off of like an Amazon or something like that, where that furniture is really not meant to be used. The furniture that's a part of the host GPO core collection um, is really geared for vacation rental units. And it's offered at an insane discount. It's offered at our discount is already amazing, but this is an extra 10% off all the core collection items. They're really trying to focus people's attention to buying the right stuff. So that's a really cool one. Um, and then in terms of like new partnerships and what's kind of coming down the pipeline, uh, there are a few, I'm I'm not at liberty to discuss them <laughs> yet, uh, but there's a couple really cool ones we're about to announce probably this month. Uh, and one thing I can talk about is, that we are about to launch our um, like hosting tools uh, part of our website. So we are going to start, in addition to kind of the vendors that we have, so furniture, linens, mattresses, amenities, et cetera, you know, bikes, solo stoves, and we have all that kind of stuff. We are also going to start launching partnerships with pricing software, PMS companies, et cetera, so that people can get you know, discounts, especially when they're just getting started or growing, um, and really get access to information about a lot of the tech in our industry, which is really hard to understand. Sometimes there's probably 300, 400 different companies out there servicing vacation rentals, um, in terms of like management software, pricing software, or, or even things like insurance. So this is kind of our step into how can we introduce some of these, uh, it's folks who, when they sign up for host GPO ask all the time, Hey, Like what pricing software do you use or what insurance company do you use? And, you know, honestly, there isn't like, it's not a one size fits all thing, but we're hoping to really be able to highlight a bunch of these different companies uh, for people uh,
1: who are in the space. That's excellent. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, the the first part I thought was absolutely brilliant where you're saying that you're going to have um, you know, things that have already been favorites, then you work together with that company today and say, Hey, you know, these, you know, 40% of the couches that people are buying are this one, you know, whatever. So let's make a deal on that. And so then you're just constantly honing, you know, what the best products are and what people are going to want. And then you can highlight those and it's great for them. Great for you. Great for the customer because it's got the reviews. It speaks for itself. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's actually what a GPO really does. So GPO stands for of host GPO stands for Group Purchasing Organization, and we didn't make this up. I mean, a lot of the folks who are listening, if you're in uh, the medical industry at all, or if you work in even like restaurants or, or a bunch of other industries, GPOs are buying groups. These exist in these industries because if you're operating a business, you shouldn't have to figure out where to buy your stuff from, I and it shouldn't be on you to go out and negotiate. Um, you know, deals with each of these companies. That's what we do. That's what our job is. Um, when you join our community, you're able to access the deals that we negotiate and continue to negotiate on an ongoing basis. Um, people that have been host GPL members for the last couple of years have seen even brands that we partner with, the discounts go up over time because we're constantly working on negotiating and bringing in more value for our members. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and, it, and even just from because uh, my my wife and I were you know traveling remote. You and I talked about this, but we're looking to buy a, a new primary residence whenever we get back into town in a couple of months. And I was like, I'm going to buy everything from HostGPO. Why wouldn't I? I mean, it would be a no brainer. So it's not only you know that's I, I keep telling a bunch of people. I was like, if anybody is thinking about doing a, a Reno or a revamp of a of your living room or bathroom or just anything, it, it's literally a tool that anybody can use and get so much value out of it because just that one couch that I bought. I could have saved eight hundred dollars if i would have just been signed up with host gpo it's crazy
2: yeah it's pretty wild and you know it's it's a ton of value that we're delivering and um you know we're, we're just we're really thrilled about the growth and about you know people's response and and how how much our community really values what we're doing and champions of us it's been a really amazing ride fantastic
0: that's that's amazing jeff so we want to be respectful of your time but we have some personal questions because you're very <laughs> sure. you're, you're a very unique guest, and we want to get inside your mind because what you have built is a reflection of what goes into your mind. And so uh, we have we have some questions um, for you about that. Yeah, uh, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll we'll start a little bit light. Is there a book that comes to mind where you think like, oh, that book had a big impact on me in my entrepreneurial journey, and that other people might also want to read that book? Is it? A, do you have anything like that that comes to mind?
2: Uh, Yeah, there are a couple books that I really liked. Um, uh, Atomic Habits is a great book. Um, uh, It's about, you know, habit formation and uh, how pretty much making small changes in your daily routine in life uh, can effectuate bigger change overall. Uh, I think it's just a, it's not a mind blowing, uh, open, open up your, your, your entire, you know, mentality to something totally different, but it's a really eloquent and concise way to take actionable steps to change your habits. So that's a good one. Um, Getting the Yes, I really like. That's a great book on negotiation. Um, And I think what's really great about it is that it looks at negotiation from a value-add perspective on, you know, how to realistically go into What otherwise? I think when people hear negotiation, they think about it as like this contentious, you know, you or I, we, one of us is going to win. But really, it goes into like the the deeper thoughts on how to whatever it is, you know, getting a car, figuring out where you're going to go to dinner with your significant other, um, getting a rental property, right? It goes into some of the deeper thoughts of how do I go into this arrangement trying to give somebody else the most that they can get or more than they could get otherwise,
1: and myself more. How do do I, how do we make the pie bigger? Um, So that's a really great book too. Uh, Going, going back to the, uh, the atomic habits, uh, my wife actually read it. I I haven't read it yet. I need to, but she said it was very, very good. And so uh, what things from that book do you think that you've implemented? Like, do you have any sort of like daily routines, things that you always do that you think could be beneficial for people?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of little ones. I think that, I think the, one of the best kind of tips in that book is about um, like habit stacking Um, so essentially whenever you do this one thing, then you do that other thing. So like a ridiculous example of that is like doing squats while you're washing dishes. Like, you know, you could, (laughs) you could like put a plate in and do a squat and like, that's how you can get like, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things like that. But, um, you know, one, one big one for me, uh, was, uh, you know, my morning routine of like getting up, making my bed and like keeping things clean has led me to be a more organized and diligent person and be more mindful of my time. So, you know, little habits around that have really made a bigger impact um, overall. I
0: got I got to say that uh, my entire family read that book. I didn't want to say anything right away. And my habit stack that I do is I listen to a podcast called My First Million while I work out with something. Uh, I don't know if you know those workouts, Beach Body on Demand, Insanity, like at home. Yeah. Work. So that's my habit stack. So I love that answer. That that that's that's really well. Cool. Habit stack is the best mental model to cram things into a small amount of time to make you better. That's that. I love that answer.
1: For sure. All right. So another one. Um, who in the past for you has been? a big mentor, like a big part of your business, whether it was host GPO, whether it was you getting started in real estate, whether it was just business in general, who was somebody in your past that um, helped you kind of grow through some of those, you know, limiting beliefs, mindset, things like that, help you get organized and help you move forward as a very successful businessman.
2: Um, I think one person like just general in terms of, uh, professional life and business life. Uh, so in a, in my previous world before, uh, before vacation rentals, I was, and still am a lawyer. Uh, and I was working at a big law firm. And I had a great mentor at that law firm, who is a partner who is an ex- extremely good lawyer. And I think that one thing that I learned from him was really just what it meant to be a professional, and what it meant to work hard and how you know, preparation and diligence uh, is the recipe for success. And kind of like this, you know, you make your own luck kind of thing where it's like, you can go in into a courtroom or do a case or to, you know, whatever and, and have a you know, 50% chance of winning if you just walked in. But if you prepare and work really hard, I mean, you can stack the deck in your favor. And um, so uh, yeah, the, the partner that I used to work for at this big law firm was really a, a, a big, had a big impact on my life. That's fantastic.
1: Okay. Moving on to another one. Um, So what's your uh, biggest hurdle that you're facing right now in business, either a host GPO or as a real estate investor or whatever? And how could the uh, the Fetch It uh, crew, the Fetch It listeners help you out?
2: Yeah. um, Oh, interesting. Um, How can they help me out? So, um, okay. Maybe a little bit basic of an answer, but for me, one of the problems that we've had is host GPO has grown a lot. And we take, when you sign up for host GPO, for example, you go through an onboarding phone call. And the purpose of that call is one, so that we can make sure that you're a real person and not just trying to like hack into our you know amazing deals, but two, that we can work with people to help educate them on um, what they can buy, how it works, and, and really answer any questions that they're having about their, their vacation rental company. So people often call and say, there's hundreds of linens out there. Um, how do I know which ones are right for my property that's renting for X dollars in Y market? And you know, our team, which is all made up of hosts, uh, so all of our host GPO team are also hosts. Everybody can answer that and say, "Oh, well, you know, you're in a hot market, and so maybe these cooler sheets and this price point, and this is some of the benefits of that." So, so, anyways, all of that to say that one of the problems that we've had is or, or are facing is. We've grown so quickly that keeping that quality and level of support and member support has been really challenging so that we've had to automate a lot of ordering processes and things like that so that they all kind of can go quickly. So um, for me, anybody who's a listener who is a host GPO member, we take member feedback super seriously. So if you've had a positive experience, um, if you've had a challenging experience, um, if some of the changes that we've made over the last six months especially have uh, affected you in some way... Uh, really write us back. This is a very small community, um, even though we have a ton of members uh, and we take everybody's feedback really seriously. So the more feedback we can get from folks, uh, whether you just sign up and I want to give us feedback about how it's starting or if you've been a member uh, for a while, uh, let us know so that we can really implement that. Again, we are all hosts and we built this for hosts and host feedback is what drives, uh, you know, what we do.
0: Customer first. I love that that that's, that's a, that's a very giving approach. I love that. Um, So we're coming up to the end. And so we ask everybody the same question because people listening are going to want to know where to find you. So where can people find out more about you? Are there social media handles that they should follow to keep in touch? And what is one thing you want the listeners to take away from today's pod?
2: Yeah. So uh, hostgpo.com H O S T gpo for group purchasing organization and then on all relevant social media um host gpo so i think we're on uh we're on instagram uh twitter facebook tiktok i mean i don't know I, our, our marketing our marketing team is uh, is is much better and has more outlets than i even probably know about but anything at host gpo that's where we are um, You know, we sign up for our newsletter. Uh, if you're curious, uh, you can go to, to hostgpo.com and, and uh, read our blog. We put a lot of great content on our blog, too. It's really useful. Um, everything from like how to get started uh, in the space to, you know, guides on, on different types of, you know, the questions that come up the most often, you know should I get white linens or, or, or should I have a pattern linen? Right? Like we have answers to that. Um, and they're very, very vetted. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of content like that on our blog too. So, um, hostgpo.com or at hostgpo for all relevant things. Um, and then one thing I would like all listeners to take away from this call, our podcast, uh, I would say, um, that, If you're going to get into this industry, be really intentional. Um, So either do it or don't do it. And then if you're going to do it, be really intentional about how you're doing it. The biggest recipe for failure in this space is oh, well, like I'll give this vacation rental thing a try. And you end up, you know, hodgepodging furniture together out of your, you know, aunt's basement and your friends who's moving out of his, you know, whatever, and he's got his college posters that he, you know, or the, like, and so I think being intentional about what you're doing, how you're getting into it, how long you're planning on be being in it for, um, how long are you are gonna give yourself to set up your unit, being intentional about who your unit is geared towards, who your home is geared towards, what kinds of, of, of guests you want. Um, I think that. A lot of people fall into the space and kind of scrap it together. And the number one thing to do is to really plan and think through whether that's what kind of furniture and linens you're going to get through a company like Host GPO, or just what kind of unit you're going to get at all and what kind of strategy you're going to approach it with. Um, I would say there, this is an industry with a very steep learning curve right at the beginning. It's like there's not a crazy barrier to entry. But if you run into this industry too, wall, too fast, you're going to smack your face into the wall of this learning curve. But then once you do your first couple, it like really levels out really quickly. So, and I think anybody that's been doing this for a while can tell you that. So just be really intentional with, if you're getting into the space, um, what you're doing and, and how you're doing it.
0: That's a, that's a beautiful way to end it. Burn the boats essentially is what I heard. And, and <laughs> that's, that, that's amazing. Jeff, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You were excellent.
2: Of course. Yeah. Really happy to be here. And, uh, and thanks for having me on the pod. Appreciate you, Jeff. All right. Take care. Take care.